All right, we are <coughs> in uh, Colossians chapter Colossians chapter two, and if you'll turn there, we are, as I said last week, we are at the beginning of the application part of the book of Colossians. Um, although I discovered that there's a lot of scholars that disagree with me. They think that this is the conclusion of these two verses, conclude the first part, and then after that is where Paul starts drawing this application. So um, I'm willing to stand corrected. But regardless, um, this passage begins, I think, the part of the, the, the book where now we're going to find out what it is we're supposed to do with the doctrine. The doctrine is that Christ is supreme, that Christ is all in all, that Christ is in us the hope of glory, that Christ in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that Christ is um, preeminent over all things, the creator. Basically, everything that was being said about him that was wrong, Paul corrects. And now he says, and because of that, this is how you should live. And this is what it should look like to walk as a Christian. So let's actually start at um, verse 29 of chapter 1. Paul was talking about this struggle that he had for them. We believe from last week that struggle is a struggle in prayer, that he has been praying for them. At least that was the, what I assumed to be true. It says in verse 29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to faith, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So before we get to verse 6 and 7, he says, um, I struggle praying that you would be encouraged to reach all the riches of full assurance and that you would be encouraged um, to understand the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul was praying that they would have full assurance and that they would know Christ. Um, and then he talks about them being... Um, um, <clears throat> that they would not be deluded with plausible arguments, but that they would be, um, that he was pleased to see their good order and the firmness of their faith in Christ. As a church, they were going to stand against the enemy. As a church, they were going to stand, because that idea of good order is uh, an army forming its lines. Uh, he's speaking to the Colossian church. And now we get to verse six. And let's read through um, from 6, although we're only going to take two verses through 15. He says, uh, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, 
according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God." who raised him from the dead, and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Um, we are going to be looking just at verses 6 and 7 today. So let's read that again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Um, very common verse. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Um, so the first question that we need to ask is, how did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? And second, what does it mean to walk in him? And then the third part is uh, another set of metaphors that we're rooted and built up and established and abounding with thanksgiving. So there's a lot in this little, little passage. Um, so let's talk about how we received Christ Jesus the Lord. And Jay already gave it away. She mouthed the words by faith, but... Um, um, we will get to that in a minute. Um, therefore, as we received who? Christ Jesus the Lord. We see that a lot, that phrase, Christ Jesus the Lord, or Jesus Christ the Lord, or Jesus Christ. But I think this is strategic in light of the book of Colossians to make sure we understand who it is that we have received. Right? We received Christ. Christ is the anointed one the one that God set aside, that God promised. We received Jesus, the, the, the son of David, the one who actually came in the flesh, the one who uh, walked and lived among us, and we received Christ as Lord, the one whom <clears throat> we swear allegiance to, but the one whom we um, are um, committed to full obedience to. We, we don't understand Lord the way they would have understood the word Lord. A Lord could order you to do something and you did it, right? <clears throat> Whereas we kind of judge whether we want to do things or not. So we have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, the anointed one, the one who came in the flesh and the one who has full authority over our lives. And that's the one that we received. And we are to walk in him as we received him. So how did we receive Christ? Go ahead, Jay. By faith. Um, and that is the simple answer. But I did want to take just a bit and look at the idea of receiving um, because I think there's a richness there in what we have actually received. We've received him by faith, but what did we receive when we received Christ? Um, and it's amazing because the entire Bible is a story of God giving to his people, right? Think of it all the way from the very beginning. He gives us life. He gives us. He gives Adam a wife. He um, 
He provides everything that they need. You think of the nation of Israel. He gives them, um, he delivers them from Egypt. He provides manna in the wilderness. He provides his own word. He provides his presence. You go right through the Old Testament. Um, he, they received a lot. And then you reach the New Testament and what we received begins to be enumerated for us. Um, and so let me give you a few verses. Go to John chapter 1, verse 16. And says, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And then it talks about the law coming through Moses, but grace comes through Jesus Christ, right? When we stop and think about what it is that we have received, I understand we've received it by faith, but what we have received from Christ, what we have received, it has all come from the fullness of Christ. Everything that we have comes from the fullness of Christ. Let's start thinking about what God has given to us. Um, God has given to you grace. And that grace flows from Jesus Christ. He's given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit flows from Jesus Christ. It's out of Christ's fullness that we have that. He has given us the word. The word is Christ himself. That's the fullness. Um, he has uh, given us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit flows from Jesus Christ. Uh, stop and think about all that you have been given, and it all flows out of the fullness of Jesus Christ. So we've received him, and out of his fullness, we receive everything else. Okay? Any other things that I met? I know there's a lot of things that we've received from, from Christ. I was thinking spiritually. We've received spiritual gifts. Right? Uh, we've received grace and mercy and peace. And all of that flows out of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then here's an enumeration of some of the things. And I'm trying to see if we should. Oh, let's look up a few of them. Uh, Romans 8. Uh, no, excuse me. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 17. Not Romans. Up, oh, that is the wrong verse. I actually think it's probably supposed to be Romans. Um, I hate it when I do that. Just a second. Let me. I have it written down two places. Let me try a different verse. Well, that one was supposed to say we received the Holy Spirit. Okay, go over to Romans chapter 1. And we know we've received the Holy Spirit from Christ. Romans chapter 1 um, and verse 5 um, talks about uh, Jesus Christ in the verse before, through whom we received grace and apostleship. Um, we receive grace through Jesus Christ. Um, in this case, Paul also receives his apostleship through Jesus Christ. We receive our gifts through Jesus Christ. Uh, go over to Romans 8.15. <clears throat> Romans 
we have received in Romans 8:15 for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father one of the great gifts that we have that we receive from Christ is that we are his we are God's sons and we receive that spirit of adoption from Jesus Christ so that a son never has to worry whether he's still part of the family, right? The son is always a son. Uh, once he's been adopted, that's a gift to us from, from um, Christ. Uh, John chapter 11, verse one, we have received the word from Jesus Christ. We've received that. Man, oh man. I am, I, that is, well, I have two verses, so go to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I, I don't know what's happening there. Apparently, I did that late at night. Um, as I normally check those and double check them, make sure that doesn't happen. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. That one works. It says, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it, what it really is, the word of God. Um, the word of God is received by us. We receive that from, from God. Um, in First, First Timothy, it tells us that uh, we've received mercy. Um, and then in Romans 3.25, it tells us that all of this is received, as Jay has told us, through faith, which we already knew. Romans 3.25. Uh-oh. Oh, there it is. It's, that's right. Um, it says, whom God put forward, talking about Christ, as a propitiation by his blood uh, to be received by faith. And it talks about, obviously, Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they've received uh, his grace as a gift, having been received by faith. So we have received a lot, and we've received it through faith, and that's the way we're supposed to walk, is through faith. All of that that God has given us, we're supposed to receive it and then walk accordingly. Um, in order to receive, you, you guys all remember the, the, uh, the uh, they always did it at camp. Somebody would hold up, I, when I was a little kid, it was a $1 bill. And they would say, I have a $1 bill here, and anybody who wants it can have it. And the first time you see it, everybody sits stunned. And the second time, somebody runs up and grabs the dollar bill, right? And what does he say? What did you have to do to take that $1 bill? You had to believe that I was really going to give it to you. You had to know that it had some value, and you had to be willing to actually come up and take it as a gift and receive it. Um, then as we got older, it turned into a five and then to a 10 and to a 20. Is it a $100 bill yet? Any of the young people in here? <laughs> At one point, it's gonna be a $100 bill. Then I'll rush up and grab it too. Yeah, let the, uh, we'll, we'll see who gets there first. We receive though by faith and we receive good things from God. By the way, that should cause us to be thankful, which is the ending part of this passage, All right? We receive it by faith. And that then is the way that we're supposed to walk in him. Now, what does walking imply in Scripture? 
Persevering. Persevering, okay. How we live our day-to-day life. And I think that's the main emphasis always. When Paul uses the word walk, he actually means live. This is how you live. This is how our life looks. So he uses the analogy of walking, but the real, you could almost substitute the word, how do we live? We live our life through faith, but it tells us that we're supposed to walk in a manner worthy. Um, So let me go back to Colossians. Colossians, Um, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You've received Christ as the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord. And the goal here is that we live our life so that our life looks like Jesus Christ. And we accept that through faith in him. Um, let's, Let's look at a couple of verses that talk about walking as well. And hopefully I did better on these. Um, um, Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, So just forward a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Oops. Backwards a little bit. Um, start at verse 6 it says so we are always of good courage we know that while we are at home in the body we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith and not by sight Um, we are called that ties in with that previous we are to walk by faith not by sight that's the way that we were called that's the way we receive Christ that's the way we're supposed to be walking Um, go over to Colossians chapter 3 because I think in the book of Colossians, Paul's going to talk about what it looks like to walk um, following Jesus Christ. And I think it involves all the way through the New Testament, two parts. One is something that we're to keep from doing. The other is something that we are supposed to do. Um, All of those things come through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to, if we're yielding to him, that, these, that, that our life is able to look like Christ. But we still have a responsibility to do certain things. We are supposed to, as in the words of Colossians, put on certain things and to put off certain things. And we can walk by faith and trust that if we put these off and put these ones on, that our life will become more and more like Jesus Christ. And if we choose not to put those things off and put on the others, then we're gonna find that we stay stuck and we don't do what the next part of it talks about, being rooted and built up. So um, Colossians 3 verse five, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Those things are to be put off. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now watch the next verse. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, 
and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we're to put off certain things, and then in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds together every, everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's walking in him. So we actually are going to study that more as we go along. But it means to walk in him means to pattern our life after Jesus Christ. And ultimately, the only way we can do that is by yielding to the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. Um, if you go over to Galatians chapter um, 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it starts in verse 16. And it does somewhat the same thing. So we're not going to read all of it, but it says, But I say... Uh, Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he gives us the list of what the flesh um, involves. And then in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we can either walk by the Spirit or we can walk by the flesh. We can allow the fruit of the flesh to grow in us or the fruit of the Spirit. And there are decisions that we make in conjunction with the Spirit working in us that do that. Um, it, it's, it's amazing what happens if you don't put off some of those things. They begin to take over. Um, again, I'm dealing with the situation in my own family of unforgiveness people who should be willing to forgive each other who won't forgive each other and you just watch the ripple effect of that sin but the real effect is taking place inside of the people who aren't choosing to forgive there's a choice there to forgive and it may be that we have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help with that but it still has to be done and to walking in the Spirit is a what I'm trying to say is it's an actual decision that we make to walk by the Spirit it's a decision. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be telling us to do it. Walk, in, walk as you have received. Walk in faith. Faith that Jesus Christ is worth patterning, patterning our life after. Faith that what he has demonstrated for us is exactly the way that we want to be. It goes back to that idea of receiving the good gift. The $100 bill pairs in comparison to having our life look like Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, compared to all that he has to give us, that $100 bill is nothing. Um, and I think the next part of the passage is going to uh, point that out. So go over to Colossians chapter 2 again. 
And he now says, and it's interesting because it kind of mixes the metaphor. We're supposed to walk in him, and then in verse 7 it says rooted. Uh, the last thing I've ever seen is a tree walking around, right? Things that are rooted don't move. So it's kind of a switching of the metaphor here, but it's a different way of looking at the same thing. We've received Christ, we walk in him. Uh, but we also are rooted in him. And so in verse... Uh, seven, it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So Paul is going to, um, in terms of this passage, we're to be walking in him. Um, and now we look at a different, look at it in a different way, rooted and built up and established and abounding in thanksgiving. Um, the word rooted there is past tense. This is something that has happened. This is something that already took place. You do not root yourself. You are either rooted or you're not. Coming into this passage, if you're a believer, you are already rooted in the faith. Okay? Now, the, there's an issue of doctrine that's going to come up at this point. Because what we are rooted in is the faith. We're rooted in the actual truths of Scripture. If you don't understand who Christ is, if you don't have proper doctrine, you're, you're not rooted. Um, there's an aspect to this where it's, it's, uh, it has to do with what it is that we believe. How do we stay rooted in this society that we live in? Well, you either are rooted or you aren't rooted but the doctrine you believe helps secure those roots, in essence. Um, I was at the, um, uh, th this week I read an article. It just had a little blurb, um, 10 things that the Bible says that no one believes anymore. Which I thought, well, that's an interesting article. And the first one was, um, that premarital sex is wrong. It was like, well, I believe that. Uh, a lot of people I know believe that, but you see, we are now in this a very strong minority. What, what keeps us firm? Well, it's, it's the fact that we are rooted, and that's something that has already happened, and we're rooted in our doctrine, and we're rooted in our knowledge, but Paul is gonna talk about how we need to keep growing in that and being established in that. What keeps us firm through the storms? You go back to uh, Psalm 1, like a tree rooted by the, the waters. Our, our roots have to go deep uh, into Christ. Um, uh, I was at this science conference this weekend, and um, it's the California Science Teachers Association. It's always interesting to be there. Um, everything's geared toward evolution. I saw this one man, he had a t-shirt on, and it said, um, it was obviously he's the teacher. It was wearing it for his kids. It said, "You are the product of 14 and a half billion years of evolution. Act like it." And I thought they are. <laughs> they are. They understand that God has no part in any of this. So why does their behavior matter? In fact, the real question would be, why are you sitting in class and preparing yourself for something when you could just be out having a good time? 
but he has no clue that that t-shirt is probably sending the exact opposite message. It looked funny to him, so he's wearing it. But that's the world we live in. We need to be rooted. But now we have the doctrines that come along. And this is what Paul is saying. You, you need to know who Jesus Christ is. You need to be rooted in who he actually is, the preeminent one, the one who is over all of creation, the one who, uh, through his fullness, we've received everything. Okay. Matt, it looked like you were ready to jump in. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, if it's funny enough, you could share it, Matt. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it matters to the teacher that they behave in class, but I don't know if it matters to them. And I don't think it has to do with the fact that they're a product of evolution. So, all right. Now, the second two in here, though, it says we are rooted. That's past tense. And now built up and established. Those two are present tense. Those things are ones that are happening even as we speak. That we are being built up in the faith and we are being established. Paul is encouraging them, and I think this goes back to that previous part, be in good order. Be like lines that are formed to face the enemy. You don't do this yourself. You, you, you need people around you. So how is it, you guys tell me, I think this is fairly straightforward, how is it that we are built up in the faith? You have Matt? Okay, but how are we not straight swayed by the song the, by those doctrines? What is it that keeps us from being swayed, Kirk? Uh, it, it, it's the walking, it's the rep, daily repetition. You know, as you go, you, you always keep your sight on what is true, and you continue in that truth on a repetitive basis. It builds you up. So faith, because you get further faith. So, so in that case, faith is like a a muscle that we're exercising and the more you step out in faith and the more you trust God and the more you obey, the more likely you will to do that in the future. Very, very good. Excellent. Darla. Yeah, it definitely is. Okay, somebody else had, somebody over here, a Tom. Okay, and that is very scriptural, that the word of God is given to us to allow us to be built up. Paul says that in... Um, in Acts, see if I have it here. Don't know if I wrote it down. At the end of Acts, it talks Paul, uh, it's, I think it's Acts 23, he says, the word of God which is given to, to build you up. So 
Uh, and we know Paul talks about that as well, that the, the word of God is given like milk and, um, and, and then meat to cause us to be built up. Look, if we're not studying our Bibles, you're not being built up. And the roots that you have are, um, are placed into what you knew, but we should be studying the word of God. The word of God should be integral to our life, not just here at church, but at home. There should be time spent reading the word. What else builds us up? How are we built up? Go ahead. This right here. Yes. The, um, Galatians talks about that. You know, build each other up. You, you come to a body of believers. The local church is important so that it allows you to be built up in him. We encourage each other. We also admonish each other. and We rebuke each other. We all have terrible blind spots where we think we're doing fine. And then, you know, you, you've got a husband or wife, perhaps, and, and uh, they help too, but they get used to your blind spots as well. We need each other to build each other up. We need us to be speaking to each other. And you actually see that in Colossians, at the uh, passage that we read, Colossians 3, where it talks about, let the word of God dwell richly in you, teaching, this is verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your word to God. Um, so that is corporate. We're doing that to each other. All right, what else? The word of God and fellowship, what else builds us up? Yeah, obviously time in prayer, spending time with God. And I'll tell you that this is one of the things that worries me about our generation, the, the new generation. Um, and even, I think it's affected a lot of us that we are always wired, right? Um, I, I turn my phone off, or actually, I don't turn it off. I just never hear it because my hearing's poor and it's usually on silent for school, so that's fine. But there's some people, the phone is always with them. Some of our young people in their room, they're constantly text, you know, there's always stuff. Social media is always, encompassing them and, and us too well when do we ever get alone with god when do we ever meditate on his word when do we ever set aside time just for him and you say well i i can do that and also answer this text no i i think i don't think it works that way god is jealous of his time for us so there's time spent in the word there's time spent with each other there's time spent in prayer and those are the things that, that build us up. Anybody else have any other that build us up? I think we go back to what Kirk said, and that is practice. The practice of our faith builds us up. When, when you hear God speaking and you say no, that, that is moving you in the opposite direction. When, when you hear God speaking and you say yes, when you feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit and you do what he said, that is going to make it easier to do it the next time. Just like working out or doing anything else. But that idea of being built up and established, we have a part in that. Um, and I think it all comes back again to the, the doctrine. What do we believe about Jesus Christ? Ultimately, that's Paul's focus. Are you growing and knowing Christ better? Because if you do, you will be firmly rooted and established in all the winds of doctrine and all of the false teaching that's in our world. 
will not affect us. Kirk. Yep. But as he's walking, it's again, it's a metaphor of a journey, steady journey in a faith. But again, it's a location. The preposition in him, in throughout this, is the location. You're walking in him as if he's a valley. So Christ is surrounding him. He's walking. And that's the metaphor of his life. It's rooted and built up in him again, established in the faith um, and in thanksgiving. And again, so you're in a location, okay, like you're in the promised land, okay, so you're within, surrounded by the blessings of everything that Christ is, and that's where you're, that's where you're going to mature, but then, because that's going to be juxtaposed, and see that no one takes you captive, you can be taken out of the land, taken into captivity, where you then are rendered useless, right, so... Again, so it, it, again, it's got a purpose of where you are, what are you surrounding yourself by, which is going to affect your entire attitude. So it's, again, you're being as, as you were taught, but it brings you back to who is Christ. Yeah. It's an identity issue. You got You you are who you believe. You know, what you believe. Yeah, and I, I would say there's there's definitely truth to that because that's one of Satan's main line of attack. And we talked about that last week, the assurance of our salvation. When we're not walking, one of the ways that Satan tears us down is to try and convince us that we really aren't one of his children. Yeah. Takes away the spirit of adoption. Takes away and says you really don't have any roots. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, there's an interesting... Um, phrase here where at, at the end of the um, this little section rooted and build up verse 7 root up and build up in him and established in what what does it say the faith there are some translations that will say your faith um, but uh, but most of the conservative scholars will look at this and say no it says the faith this is not your personal faith this is the historic faith. This is like Kirk was saying, what you have been taught. These are the doctrines of Jesus Christ that we build our life upon. Now, we're gonna run out of time here and I don't wanna miss the last part of it. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The proper response to receiving Christ and to living a life that is designed to model His is thanksgiving. I go back to the, the thought, and I, I think there's a verse, but I, I, I don't know if I found it. Somebody can help me with that. What have you, what do you have that you have not received? What do you have that you have not received? Um, w when we stop and ponder what Christ has given to us, there should be nothing in our lives but thanksgiving. <laughs> right? Um, We'll go back to that previous passage. You are alienated, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds, but he made you holy and blameless and above reproach. Um, it, it is so easy to be non-thankful, to let uh, the spirit of being unhappy and mad about everything just settle in, and it's just so easy to do, right? I, I, April and I went to a movie last night and all of a sudden this ear stopped working. 
You know how all of a sudden it's just it's clogged? And you know, all I can think about is the fact that I can't hear out of this ear. I spent the April probably got tired of it, you know, doing this, trying to, I figure there's gotta be something in there or something and it's kind of better now, but, and then your voice doesn't sound right. And I, I mean, it's just the, and what am I focused on at that point? I'm focused on my ear. And I can forget everything else that God has done wonderful. I can forget that my other ear is working fine. <laughs> And that my eyes are working and I'm still breathing and that I still have my wife and my kids, right? I mean, and those are the physical things, but, but we do this. I, I think of the election coming up. I know I've mentioned that, but, you know, we have a horrible choice to make. We either have a abomination or a catastrophe, all right? <laughs> and it doesn't matter what we choose, hardly. Um, and if you disagree with that, that's fine. I don't really want to talk politics, but the point is no matter what happens on November 8th, we are to be thankful because of all that God has given to us. And that little part is temporary. Um, we have received everything and therefore we should be thankful in all things. Um, t turn with me and we're gonna end with this. I thought this was really fascinating this week. <coughs> it was, um, Psalm 100 and Psalm 112. And I think it goes along with what we're talking about. It talks about the person who will never be moved, the person who is rooted. Um, but there was a verse in there that just jumped out at me in terms of the situation that we find ourselves in. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. Notice that, not keeps his commands, but delights in his commands. This is a person who knows God's word and, and loves it. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. There's a man who's walking. Look at the next one. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. That's the walking in the, in the spirit. For the righteous will never be moved. He will, not be he will be remembered forever. Now watch the next verse. He is not afraid of bad news. Not afraid of bad news because he knows his God. Um, his heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady, he will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. But um, what's interesting is I read that and I saw he's not afraid of bad news, but why are you not afraid of bad news? because you're trusting in your Lord. And how are you able to trust in God? Well, because your deeds have been righteous and faithful and just. You've dealt generously, you've given to the poor, you have modeled your life according to God's commands. You, you, you uh, not just obey his commands, but you delight in his commands. That's the person who's rooted and growing and established that's the person who's walking. And again, all of that is 
is through faith because everything we have, including the faith to do that comes from him. So um, it's a great passage to memorize. Um, a lot of you may have, as I was reading, it's like, yeah, I think I memorized that sometime in the past. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. But remember that last part as well, abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, we should be thankful people always. And, and sometimes we're not. So any comments as we end? I know we're a minute or two over. Suzanne. Um, but that list is not enough. It has to be something that the Lord does in our hearts. And really, we don't have the ability to change our own hearts. Our hearts are, are wicked. And so it, it has to be the prayer. Like, because I can say, okay, I'm going to forgive you. But my heart is, like, not forgiving at all. And it, it's until you like, Lord, um, I need that. I, I can't do it. I need you to change my heart. And really, I mean, sometimes you get caught up in like, okay, I'm going to do all these things. But your heart is so wicked that you can't. Yeah. And so the prayer is, Lord, change my heart. Always, Lord, change my heart. Yeah. Well, and there, see, there's an aspect of faith there. Because right. if God commands you to forgive, you will be able to forgive. Right. He's not going to command you as a believer to do something that you can't do. Right? right? And knowing that he will do that. Yeah, and, and I, I think um, that's why Paul, in that previous verse, the one right at the beginning, struggling with the power that he works in me for you. It, it, it's, it's, that's the faith. That's the walking by faith. I trust you, God, that I can forgive. I trust you that I can obey. I trust you that I can um, be thankful even in tough circumstances. I thank you for all of, I mean, I, I know that you can do that for me. So there's the faith. Oh, oh there we are, Gail, okay. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, it's actually, unless you're rooted, mm -hmm. nothing else is going to happen because it's through the roots that the, the nourishment comes. Yeah. Kirk. Yeah. Right. So I think that's why we can be rooted mentally as even as we're moving physically. So that's why Paul uses the two metaphors there, the, the walking and the rooted. Frank. You know, a lot of times when I'm going to work, you know, you always you always have that time you're thinking. And what I'll do is I'll take uh, Pastor Scott's CDs and I'll 
throw them in there and then to listen to them. I listen to them three, four, five times. Every time I listen to it, I get more. And this way, I'm thinking of the Lord, and I'm not thinking about bad things that's going to happen, maybe at work or whatever. I'm just true to Word. Yeah. Very good. And that's that's really the Word of God that's building you up. Yeah. Because Pastor Scott is preaching, preaching the Word. So. Okay. Let's close in prayer.